Well, if you noticed, um, Dave was just a little rattled when he started off communion. It's because not only did we learn and pray and talk and, and write notes until our hands were sore, but we also played pranks on Dave while we were at the conference. And that's just kind of goes along with it. What you should know is that two weeks ago, Dave jumped out of a dark stairwell and scared me so bad I fell down. <laughs> and that's not fair because he's had a heart attack, so I can't scare him back. <laughs> I just feel like that's kind of off limits. You have a heart attack, you can't scare people anymore. And so I did take advantage of this quiet moment during the conference. It wasn't during a sermon. It wasn't during a prayer, okay? I want you to know that. It was during an announcement time, and things got real quiet, and I secretly dialed Dave's phone just to see if it was on, and boy, was it ever. <laughs> um, and man, he started scrambling and doing that thing when you're trying, you know, and trying to get it turned off. And, and our whole row of staff members are laughing and having a good time. And so uh, what we, we did want to say, you know, if, if your phones are on, here's your reminder. Unless, unless you have a ringtone that says amen or preach it, bro, then you can just leave it on, okay? So that would, be, that would be great. I think we need to make that a ringtone for Highland Park, and then it doesn't matter if your phone goes off. I'll just be encouraged up here and... Uh, and keep on going. So uh, it, was, it was a really, really good week, and there's so much stuff that we're going to be working through and, and thinking about as, as a church staff, and, uh, and you'll, you'll hear more about that. So we've been in this series called Soaked because we want to be soaked in the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, not just a little bit, but fully. And uh, we, we've asked, you know, what is our mission as disciples of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, be asking, okay, what am I supposed to do? What's my purpose? And Jesus was really clear, Matthew 28. He said, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and I will be with you always till the end of the age. So we are a family of missionary servants, we go and we baptize and we teach because our goal on this planet is to make disciples, to help people follow Jesus. And we've defined discipleship as going from, uh, is going from unbelief to belief in every area of life. So discipleship is a lifelong process where we keep saying, I used, to, I used to be in unbelief when it came to relationships and, and, and God's instructions, but I believe in God so much that I'm moving into um, to discipleship and belief that what God says about relationships and friendships is good for me and good news for me, and my life is changing. And I used to think that uh, you know, money was all about me and money could find me happiness, but discipleship means I go from believing what God says is true about money. And so we first come to Jesus to say, Jesus, I need you to save me uh, from my sins and to give me the gift of the Holy Spirit and to walk with me. And that brings us into relationship with God. But then the rest of our life, we keep moving to belief and moving to belief in every area of life. That is what we are after. And so... I want to just ask you this question that I've asked. This will be the third week in a row because these three weeks kind of have all kind of held hands together. And the question is this. When is the last time you shared the good news with somebody? When is the last time you prayed for someone to, to accept the good news, for someone to believe? Derek Vreeland uh, wrote, The early Christians came to discover that their belief in Christ crucified 
was infused with the power of God, the power to rescue and transform lives. And every follower, every one of you should realize that you have been infused with the power of God to help people follow Jesus. None of us can say, well, I'm, not, I'm just not very good at that or that that's not really my thing. God says all of us are about making disciples, helping people move from unbelief to belief. And, and we aren't preaching these sermons for anyone to feel guilty. Like, man, I, yeah, I guess I haven't really shared the good news with anybody in a long time. And uh, we don't want you to just feel guilt and shame in that. And so we've been encouraging you with this. Jesus calls us to come as we are, but he does not intend for us to stay as we are. And so we want to encourage you to grow in this level of obedience to Jesus. So where we've been the last three weeks, um, when we kind of started this three-week series, or these three weeks where we really just focus on how do I share the good news, and week one was what is the good news? What is God's story? We look at God's big grand story. Week two was how do I listen to the story in other people's lives? How do I, when I listen to them, I'm thinking, are, are they broken? Are they with God? Um, where are they? How can I help them grow? And if I listen to them, then our hearts engage and, and we become closer and, and I'm ready and I'm always listening to people to see where they are in this. And then today, we just really want to focus on how do I tell the story? How do I tell God's good news story? How do I tell my story? And so if you have your Bibles, please turn to Acts chapter 26. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then the book of Acts, which tells the story of the first church, um, tells the story of how the Holy Spirit worked through the early believers there in the first century, and there is so much to be learned there. So while you're turning to Acts chapters 26, and by the way, I, hope, I know that many of you have picked up one of the study guides and you're reading along with us, so that means this week you'll be reading the last several chapters of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 26 will be one of them, but uh, hopefully you'll be reading and be thinking about all the things that we're talking about this morning. So we've identified four big steps in sharing the gospel. Um, Step one is believe, and then with each one comes pray. Step two is to seek people. You're looking for people, and then we pray. Step three is to listen to people and, and, um, and gain a hearing with them, and we pray. And step four is to tell and we pray. And all of those steps might happen, you know, in a couple minutes, or they might happen in a couple years. It depends on the friendships and where you are and, and who you are and the people are. And, um, and all of those steps, though, are happening, and prayer kind of is over all of that. We've learned to tell God's story, and we've, we've learned a simple tool called the, the three circles. And we've watched the video the last couple of weeks. If you're in a small group, you've been practicing this. And if you're not in a small group, I would encourage you to be practicing this at home. But we've looked where we see, okay, God created us. But then uh, because of sin, I ended up broken. And I can't escape my brokenness by, you know, uh, trying to just find happiness or even just trying to live a good enough life. That doesn't get me away from brokenness. Uh, so God sent his son Jesus so I didn't have to be broken anymore. And he restores me to God, to the Father. But then we don't stay there because he sends us back to the broken world so we can help other people not be broken anymore. We've learned how to just simply share God's story. And when we're listening to people, we're listening. Where are they here? Are they broken? Or are they not on mission right now? 
And today we want to talk about how, how to share that with others. When we are looking for people with whom to share the gospel with, we're looking for what Jesus might call people of peace and what we might just say people leaning into you. Because Jesus, when he sent out the disciples, he said, go and you go into a town and you see who's willing to listen to the gospel. And if somebody invites you into their home, you stay there. You eat and drink what they serve you. You be polite and you, you focus on sharing the gospel with them. If they reject you, don't get in a fight with them. Just move along. You warn them and say, ah, I wish that you would listen to this and you move along. Now, you might come back to them at some point. But Jesus says you're always looking for people who are willing to listen to you. And if they're willing to listen, then we're ready to share. And uh, last week we gave you a prayer strategy card. And uh, it, it looks like this. A lot of you did that. If you did not get one, we have more out there. But it just gives you a simple way to be kind of writing down, who are the people in my life right now who are maybe leaning into me a little bit? The person at work who talks to me and asks me questions about how to be a mom or a dad, or how to be a friend, or the person at school who sits by me at the lunch table, or, or, or the, the neighbor who always waves at me. Who are the people that are maybe leaning into me just a little bit? Those people should be really high uh, on our radar. People we're praying about all the time of, Lord, uh, give me the courage and, and let me be ready to share the gospel. And when we share the gospel, 1 Peter 3, we talked about last week, we do so boldly and also with gentleness and respect. We, we don't share the gospel in a way that beats people over the head um, or that belittles them, but we treat people with gentleness and respect. And we have to combine that with courage, don't we? Those two have to live together. And so today what I want to do is look at Acts chapter 26, and we're going to get an idea of how did Paul share his story. And when you read through especially the second half of the book of Acts, you just see Paul sharing his story over and over again. And if you kind of line them all up, you would see that they all have a lot of similarities. But we're going to choose one of them. And just so you understand the context, Paul's been arrested. And the, the Jewish leaders of the time uh, were angry with him because he was suggesting that Gentiles could also come to Jesus without having to follow all of the Jewish rules, and they did not like that. That threatened them, and so Paul was always, always being beaten, um, thrown in prison, all kinds of things that he endured. But at this point, we see him, uh, we come to the testimony where he is before the court. This King Agrippa has come to listen to him, and, uh, and I just love, we're just going to read this chapter together and as we read it, I want you to think about how is Paul telling his story? Because something has happened to Paul's story. It's not his story anymore. You'll notice that this story is not about Paul's life as much as it is about what God has done in his life. And so if you miss everything else today, catch this. Our goal is for your story to be second fiddle to God's story. All right? That's the way we tell our story because when our story becomes soaked in God's story, people see God more than they even see us. And that's exactly the way we want it. So you're going to catch that as we, as we go through. So we're just going to read this kind of big chunk of scripture together. Acts chapter 26, I'm going to begin in verse 1. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. So Paul motioned with his hand and began his defense. King Agrippa 
I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against all the accusations of the Jews, and especially so because you are well acquainted with all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. The Jewish people all know the way I have lived ever since I was a child, from the beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem. They have known me for a long time and can testify, if they are willing, that I conformed to the strictest sect of our religion, living as a Pharisee. And now it is because of my hope in what God has promised our ancestors that I am on trial today. This is the promise our 12 tribes are hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night. King Agrippa, it is because of this hope that these Jews are accusing me. Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? Okay, so Paul's kind of opening statement here. You'll notice he's building a bridge with King Agrippa. He's kind to him in his opening words, isn't he? And you can tell he's not just speaking, though, to King Agrippa because the Jews are listening. And so what does he do? He builds a bridge all the way back to the, uh, to the Old Testament, to their scriptures of the day. So the Jew, Jews who are listening are like, well, I, I love the scripture And Paul's already referencing that. So what does that mean for me? Okay, verse 9. I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priest, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished, and I tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priest. About noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me, And my companions, we all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Is it hard for you to kick against the goads? Then I asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appear to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven, first to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and then to the Gentiles. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. That is why some Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me. But God has helped me to this very day. So I stand here and testify to small and great alike. I am saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses Uh, said would happen, that the Messiah would suffer and as first to rise from the dead would bring the message of light to his own people and to the Gentiles. Let's pause here for a moment. You see, what Paul has done here is to the Jews listening, he said, 
if, the, if you have a problem, it is not with me, it is with God. Because I am being obedient to God. And you see what God is doing here is through his son, Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the fulfillment of your very own scriptures. And so don't you understand that, that I'm being obedient to the same God you worship? except you've turned your back on the Messiah, the promised one. And so Paul is establishing here, I'm not against the scriptures. It's you who are against God. If you are against Jesus, just like I used to be. Hey, I used to be one of you. I used to be just like you. I was broken just like you are broken right now. I was doing the wrong things. So there was grace for me. There can be grace for you too. Verse 24, at this point, Festus interrupted Paul's defense. Festus had invited Agrippa to come. You are out of your mind, Paul, he shouted. Your great learning is driving you insane. It's kind of an interesting accusation. You're so smart, you're stupid. <laughs> um, you know, we, we talked about that 1 Peter 3 passage, that we always are ready to share the gospel with gentleness and respect. But that does not mean that people will always receive it with gentleness and respect, right? They might tell you that you're crazy for whatever reason. They might say, no way, you, you're out of your mind. That's, that's maybe how they will receive that. But that's not on you. If, you. if you share it with gentleness and respect, it's on them how they choose to respond. It's not on you. You've been obedient. It's not your job to save their souls. You can't. God's in the business of saving souls. It's your job to share the good news and pray that that seed is planted and grows in their heart. Verse 25, see how Paul responds to being told he's crazy. He says, I'm not insane, most excellent Festus. See, he doesn't insult him back. What I am saying is true and reasonable. The king is familiar with these sayings, and I can speak freely to him. I am convinced that none of this has escaped his notice because it was not done in a corner. In other words, you all can look at my life. So Christians, think about how you live so that you can tell people, hey, look at my life. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm perfect, but look at my life. You know that what I'm saying is true. And that's what Paul says, look at my life. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Hmm. Then King Agrippa said to Paul, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul replied, short time or long, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, except for these change. Do you see, do you see what Paul does here? He has a shot and he takes it. I mean, this might be the only moment, in fact, as far as we know, it is, it's the only moment that Paul would ever have to speak to King Agrippa and to probably a lot of those people in that room. And when King Agrippa says, do you think that, that I'm going to become a Christian today? Paul's not going to miss that opportunity to say, like, I pray that it happens. The invitation is there, King. So I pray that it's today, but maybe it will be tomorrow or the week after or a month or a year, but I'm praying at some point you will say yes to this. And friends, sometimes there's these moments in these conversations with people and you're talking to them and you've been kind and you've been gentle and there's this moment where you're going to have one shot. Take it. It doesn't mean that you're rude. It doesn't mean that you're obnoxious. 
but take it. Say, I, I'm going to pray that you'll say yes to the gospel. Can I, can I tell you about the hope that I have? It sounds like you're broken, and I understand brokenness. Let me tell you about when I used to be broken. Now, I was broken, but, but God came, and, and he showed me a way that I didn't have to be broken anymore. And I was, I was baptized and believed and confessed, and I, I, and I follow Jesus now. My life isn't perfect, but God is with me. And that's why I get to have this conversation with you, that you don't have to be broken anymore. See, there's nothing arrogant about what I just said. I could say it to a whole lot of different people, and they would not be offended. It's gentle. It's respectful. And you can say that to people, too. There will be moments when you have a shot with somebody, when you have an opportunity, an open door. And who's to say that the God of the universe, who says that he prepares good works for you to do, had not orchestrated that very moment where you were here and this person was here and God, out of all the people in the universe, looks at you and says, you're the one to tell them. I give you the greatest honor on the planet to tell them good news. And you take it. And I want to tell you, friends, we want you to invite people to church. But I want you to realize that Highland Park is not the good news. Jesus is the good news. So talk to them about Jesus first, okay? We want you to invite people to your home and to encourage them to get to know you and to share a meal with you, but realize that you aren't the good news either. You're a messenger of the good news. So take those opportunities to share the good news with people, any chance that you get. And it'll probably be different a lot of different times. So Paul took his shot. We want to take ours. So let me just give you a couple of quick tips. If you're a note taker, these might be the times where you want to write a couple of these things down or maybe just file them away. Um, But let me just give you a couple tips about sharing your story. And just if you, again, if, if you can picture this, picture a dry sponge and that's you. And then I want you to picture a big pitcher of water just dumping over. That pitcher of water is God's good news. That's the gospel. That's his story. And just dripping over that sponge until that sponge is just dripping wet. So when people see that, they notice, they notice the gospel more than just you. They notice like all the water everywhere. They can see the sponge, but what they first notice is it's completely saturated. It's completely wet. So when you think about telling your story, your, your testimony, your story is going to come through, but what you want people to most do is to notice the good news, how it's saturated, how it's soaked in, in the gospel. So let's just talk kind of practically. Uh, it's really helpful to write your story. I, I think, in fact, almost everyone who says almost anything on this stage, we ask them to write it down. Because when we write something down, we, be, can, we can be more articulate and more thoughtful. And we can show it to somebody and say, hey, would you look over this and let me know how it is. Does this work? And give me any suggestions you have. That's just smart. You know, that if you're writing an article for a magazine or you're, you're giving a talk or you're leading a meeting, it's just good to say, hey, can you look over this? Does this look good? That's just smart. And there's something about writing it down that makes you get your words just right. Even if you don't take that piece of paper with you, you've kind of worked through it. And so sometimes people are like, ah, I do better just on the fly. 
Uh, no, you don't. I've heard you. <laughs> when we go on the fly, you know, there's times, most of conversations on the fly, right? And some people are more articulate than others. But every communicator worth their salt will say, it helps you at some point to write some stuff down. You don't just go on the fly. And so if this is the most important story we will ever tell in our lives, I think it's worth it to sketch it down a little bit. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't even have to be necessarily all word for word. Um, but writing it down. And so I, we want to encourage you before the sun sets tonight to write down your story. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be long. In fact, it should probably be just a couple of paragraphs. Maybe three paragraphs, short ones. It doesn't have to be very long at all. In fact, if, if you have an, an opportunity with a friend to share the hope that you have in Jesus, you probably don't want to launch into a 45-minute lecture, okay? Break out your PowerPoint and your little point. You know, all, you, that's probably not what's going to work when you're having coffee with somebody at Starbucks, okay? Or when you're visiting with your neighbor friend across the street. You want to have something that's fairly short, and then there might be time for something longer later. But have it be really short, just a, a, a few paragraphs, kind of like what I went through just a moment ago. Use normal language. If, if you did not grow up in church, you don't have any big deal with this. If you grew up in church, sometimes we're tempted to use really big fancy words and nobody knows what we're talking about. Don't do that. Don't try to be fancy. Just use normal, everyday English that people will understand because your goal is to communicate to the person, right? It's not to prove that you... You know, that you've read fancy words before and understand what they all are. Again, there's time for teaching on those things later. So uh, don't, don't be preachy. Don't be fancy. Um, but uh, uh, the next thing is, when and where do I tell it? When and where do I tell the story? Um, I think maybe the big thing is just to ask, when can I possibly share it with gentleness and respect and when God is prompting me? If we can put those three things together, that's kind of the filter for whenever it's right to share it. There's, there's moments where it's better to wait. Uh, and maybe you're in a crowd and it's not right. Or maybe the person is um, in a moment where they can't listen to you well. Uh, or, or maybe you know, you're like, okay, I think, I think it's going to be better. I feel the Spirit is prompting me just to be patient right now. Um, but there's, there's many times in our lives when all of those answers will be yes. Can I share the good news of God with gentleness and respect? Is the Holy Spirit prompting me? And the answer is yes, yes, and yes. And that means get over your fear and do it. Step out and do it. Uh, follow God's prompting there. So maybe be thinking, you know, is a friendship beyond superficial? If it is, you need to be looking for a moment to share the, the good news with that person. Be listening for the good news in their life. Uh, anytime a person is asking you questions, you know, what about this? Or I'm really struggling with this. What we have found is that even when we've walked around in this neighborhood doing the old-fashioned thing, knocking on doors and saying, hey, you know, we're from Highland Park. What, is there anything that we can pray for you about today? I know that scares some people to death. And that may not be the way that you share the gospel with others. But we, we've done that. And when I do that, I am nervous I'm a little bit of an introvert. I don't really like that kind of thing. But what we have found is about 80% of people, when we say, is there something that we can pray for you about? They say, yeah, actually there is. 80%? Yep. That's what we've seen. What does that tell you? 
that people are way more open to us praying for them than we are open to praying for them. That should tell us something about people's hearts and their desire. I remember we did this a while back and we knocked on a door and the guy said, I just found out my mom passed away this morning and I was hoping somebody would talk to me. You think God didn't set that up in advance? And so uh, I'm just telling you, look for opportunities where you can say, hey, can I, can I pray for you? And if they say yes, let me know what it is. And we are surprised uh, at the 220 Food Pantry when people come in and visit with us and we say, hey, how's, it, how's your life going? Some people will just sit there and for the next 15 minutes tell us all of the struggles in their life. It's like we didn't have to ask another question. It was just like, hey, how's it going? There are so many people who are broken in our world and they're not even trying to hide it from anybody. They just need somebody to listen to them. Now, there are the others that are trying to cover it up. I understand that. But many people are just saying, yeah, I would love for you to pray for me. And if they share that, then we have the opportunity to come back and say, can I, can I share you, with you about the hope that I have? Because I've felt broken like you have before. Or I, I've felt broken. I don't understand how you feel, but I've certainly felt broken before. Can I tell you about the hope I have in Jesus? And if they say yes, that's your moment with King Agrippa. <laughs> you take that shot. You say, yeah, let, can I, I can draw something for you, or I can, I can just share my story with you real quickly that, that uh, I, I used to be this way, but God came, and now I have this. And I'm not perfect, but God is with me. That's the outline. And if, if we can put up on the screen here that just real simple outline of I used to, and um, I think I went out of order. Um, what, what I'm going to do just right now is I'm going to give you just a minute or two to start thinking about how you would fill the, these three statements out to share your story soaked in God's story. And again, this doesn't have to be like your final version, but I'm, we're just going to give you a minute or two, and I want to encourage you, if you have a pen or there's someone in the seat in front of you, take that pen out, turn a piece of paper over, and start sketching it out. It's a beautiful thing to write it out. And, uh, and just start thinking it through, and maybe you'll want to work on it more later with your family, your friends, a small group, whoever. We're just going to give you a moment to sketch it out. I used to. This is what my life used to be like in brokenness. Um, and it doesn't have to be some big, crazy story. Just be honest, your story. But, but then God, and talk about what God has done for you, and then you can say, and now, I'm not perfect, but I know that God is with me. My sins are forgiven. Okay, just take a second to sketch out your story.
the stats say there's 650,000 people who aren't following Jesus within a 30-minute drive of where we sit. 650,000. We have a job to do, my friends. To share the good news story, the good news stories. Oh, there, there's, it's good news that the weather changed, right? It, there's lots of little good news stories, but our obligation is to share the good news story. We want it to be soaked into our lives and our prayer lives, and as, in our, as we walk through the day looking for opportunities to listen to people and to care for people and to serve people and to be ready for that moment to share our good news story, the good news story, with them. Can you imagine if that was just soaked in us? What that would mean for our neighbors, our family, and our friends, in our workplaces, in our schools, and in our desire that every person share and be part of sharing the good news story. So let's help one another in this. During the next couple songs, uh, we're going to have an opportunity that if you would like someone to pray for you, uh, we want to specifically invite you to come forward if you've never received the good news story, if you've never given your life to Jesus and been baptized in him to begin to follow him, that is the good news story. And we would love to visit with you and study and pray with you about that. But we also would love to pray with you about people in your life who, who don't know. And maybe you just need some people to pray with you that you would have the courage and the wisdom and the love and the gentleness to share the good news story in the life of a loved one, a friend, someone that you've just been thinking about this whole sermon. Would you allow us to pray for those folks? And I'll just ask those on our prayer team to just kind of be aware that maybe we'll need some more people to come up and pray for, for folks. And that, that'll just be kind of a quiet prayer time there. I don't need to be on the stage or anything public, but to have some people gather around and pray for you and the people in, li- in your life during these next two songs, you're welcome to come at any point. If you're a guest, we're so glad that you came today. We'd love for you to stop by Connecting Point just down the steps before you come. We'd love you to be part of what God is doing here at Hana Park to share the good news with this community. Would you stand up and allow me to pray for you? God, thank you that you risked and gave your life. That's the good news story, so that we can have life. Lord, I pray that we would be able to risk and give our lives to share that same story with those that you've placed in our path. And if anybody here has not accepted that good news yet, I pray that today would be the day. In Jesus' name, amen.